Welcome to the Revenue Lounge, a podcast for revenue operations professionals who want to understand the various facets of this important go-to-market function. In each episode, the team at Nectar interviews revenue warriors on how they are reimagining revenue operations in creative and disruptive ways and what are their secrets to building a scalable and predictable revenue engine. Let's get started. If you are in revenue operations, you already must have a ton of data within your arm's reach. But which data is most crucial to track and gain insights from? And which numbers, if tracked right, can exponentially impact your revenues? You can find an answer to this million-dollar question with the right matrix. Tracking the right matrix can help you redefine your current processes and device strategies to increase revenue. In today's episode, we'll talk about metrics that RevOps should track as an organization scales up this function. And to answer our questions today is our guest, Cliff Simon, the Chief Revenue Officer at Carabiner Group. Cliff is an advisor and fractional executive for several high-growth startups where he utilizes his expertise in all things GTM and revenue operations. He's an active leader of GTM in multiple communities. Cliff, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so glad to have you today for on our show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Abhijit. Appreciate it. Yeah. So Cliff, let's get started with a little bit about you and the Carabiner Group. If you can share something about your role and what the company does, that would be a great way to start the conversation. Sure. I think my role is pretty straightforward. I oversee everything go-to-market for the company, sales, marketing, CS, you know, our internal tech stack, partnerships, you know, the typical stuff that you would expect a CRO to have purview over. As far as what we do as a company, that's a little bit different. Uh, we do RevOps as a service. So unlike a lot of other folks that are out there that do project work, we work with our clients on annual or multi-annual engagements where we're walking alongside them to help drive forward both go-to-market process and systems, uh, keeping change management in mind, helping them drive insights and analytics and enablement. Also, you bring in a very interesting perspective uh, from a service provider standpoint. We've had a lot of RevOps people on the show. Some of the best RevOps folks that we know are some of our common friends as well. I'm quite interested in our conversation today because you bring in a very different perspective. You guys offer RevOps as a service and you've been servicing a lot of teams who are starting RevOps or who are scaling RevOps. So it brings me to our next question, which is what is revenue operations? There are different definitions floating around. So what is the definition that you follow of revenue operations? Yeah, when I think about revenue operations, it's typically like, what does it actually look like to put a dollar in at the beginning of the machine? All of the conversion rates and metrics that come along with following that, that dollar that enters into marketing, that goes through an MQL conversion, through a client acquisition, through that next year of renewal, right? So driving that net dollar retention and churn metric. It's so all-encompassing. I think a lot of folks like to pigeonhole it as, oh, it's just sales ops rebranded, or maybe it's just sales and marketing ops. Yeah, that's, it's really like the holistic look at your customer's buying journey, not just that initial acquisition, but their entire journey with you when you're thinking about that LTV, mapping that to a go-to-market process and then building up the technology and systems to meet that process, right? And then driving and building the additional substructures around that, you know, in enablement, insights and analytics, so that now you can walk forward in a data-driven model as a company. I think this is definitely in line with where the trend is. I remember reading one of the McKinsey blogs. They're talking about this whole full funnel integration and how 
it's important for organizations to start mapping the customer buyer journey and meet the buyer on their journey point, then enforcing a sales process. So I think as you describe RevOps in your definition of connecting with the buyer journey, I think it's pretty relevant in today's market. So before we move further with uh, detailing RevOps and our questions related to that, I'd love to hear your story on how did you get into RevOps? And I think let's go a little back on how you started your career and what's been your trajectory so far and what brought you to RevOps. Yeah, I started my career back in the day working for Verizon doing machine to machine stuff, which everyone I think today calls IoT. And seeing how operations and systems could affect the flow of data. Because right, if you're working for a telecom, it's all about the metering and flowing of the actual data, regardless of what that data is. And I think it sort of caught the bug a little bit there, being very analytically driven. Fast forward throughout my career, always having to do some Salesforce admin type of work or, you know, as one does, as you work through fast growing companies, caught the bug probably, oh gosh, maybe like five or six years ago, where I was the one creating comp plans, doing the entire commission structure uh, and having to do all the reporting on revenue back up to the C-suite and really enjoyed it. I think very much like most other folks in RevOps, you never plan to be here. You sort of fall into it because there's something about the data that just draws you in. And I know my wife hates it, but I like working in Google Sheets sometimes. So it's just sort of accidental. And that's sort of how that happened. And as far as Carabiner, uh, had the good fortune to meet a very bright young man on a Slack channel in December of 2020. And as they say, the rest is sort of history, right? Took a chance on each other and it's been fantastic ever since. Pretty awesome. That's a pretty interesting journey. Moving forward, let's look at measurement of revenue operations. I mean, we discuss about what RevOps is. So as we set up a RevOps organization, right? What metrics do you think are foundational and should be tracked? So what are these must-have metrics? And why would you want organizations to start tracking these? So I think the must-have metrics for RevOps always have to scale back to the actual company metrics, right? RevOps is supposed to be that tide that raises all boats and it's got to affect all the benchmarking. So the first and most important thing is having an understanding of your current state. Where are you today? Being real about those numbers and not fluffing them up. And then starting to track the progression over time, right? RevOps is, I've said this before, it's like, one of those places in a startup where you can't just throw a million dollars at it and have it fixed in 90 days, right? It's, it's a hypothesis, it's testing, it's actual science, right? You have to gather empirical data and then go back and see what the data tells you and then make the appropriate adjustments. And there's no shortcuts for that, right? You, you have to go through the motions and actually do the work. So if you want to talk about the big ones, MRR, ARR, right? What's, what's your growth rate? Um, net dollar retention, churn, and then for each individual business unit, looking at the conversion rates across those business units, right? So your MQL conversion, how well are you closing on your deals and sales? Is the churn metric getting lower as you're doing a better job of customer success? And then the other thing I would be uh, tracking, which is a little bit more difficult to do, it's more nebulous, right? Is tracking that operating cadence. Are you regularly meeting? with the various business departments to make sure that information is being shared? Have you developed a system for that? So while that might not be a metric, I think that's a, the underpinning of it. And when is the right time to start RevOps? 
because everybody talks about it and the different schools of thought on what's the the right time to start when would you recommend a fast growing company should start looking at revops seriously as soon as you can like seriously as soon as you can afford to do it do it for us we started it from the very beginning you know making sure that everything we were doing was data driven that we were collecting the right data points that we weren't collecting things that we didn't need but being forward thinking looking at the data points that we knew we would need 3 4 5 years down the road so that way we would have enough historical data to make meaningful decisions i'm seeing more and more companies adopt operations or revops or any version of that as they grow into a mature revops org sooner and sooner and think about it right how many times does a saas company bring in that charismatic sales leader who has a deep role dex and they get you to 1 2 3 4 5 million dollars in arr just by their sheer magnanimous uh, personality right they go out they do it they don't record any of it there's no notes and all of a sudden you think you have go to market fit you definitely got product market fit right because it's selling um but you have no repeatable process now if you put process in on the front end and you're capturing all that data you can try to do your best to capture that lightning in a bottle and and look at the data set and say oh this is where we're winning this is what's going well and now you can focus and it's not just that one person that comes in is a flash in the pan and gets you to this really exciting point and then all of a sudden your growth rate just plateaus or just you know the, the next pythagorean <laughs> but actually takes you where you think you're going and where everyone hopes you keep going on that parabolic growth journey that's a great point around foundational metrics if organization starts scaling right and what would be the metrics they should start focusing so how would you define like the metrics to be tracked at seed stage or foundational metrics when revops is getting set up versus metrics that are for a steady state company or like after a couple of quarters where revops is functional how does that change early on it's going to be client acquisition metrics right what's our average contract value is are we actually losing deals because of price or do we have flexibility there time to close time in between different sales stages all your basic conversion rates right uh, on the on the top of funnel and and mid funnel once you graduate past that i think you immediately turn to net dollar retention and start thinking about dollar churn as opposed to perhaps customer churn because it might not be a terrible thing to churn some of those very early customers if your pricing has doubled in a year and a half right or try to see what you can do to scale them up to your new pricing over a two three year period right reward those folks for coming on board with you early on and then after that it starts becoming gross retention right you want to hold on to every single customer every single dollar and i think that becomes the main focus you're going to be bringing on new folks and you keep tweaking that and working it but at at a point of scale 70% of your revenue is coming from existing client base you got to hold on to what you have you got to make sure that they're happy you know not just that they're satisfied so when you look at your clientele what's the number one common problem that you see across companies who are were talking to you from a revops perspective they don't have their arms wrapped around their data they have tons of it it's sitting in data lakes none of it is talking to each other none of it comes into one unified source and they have no idea how to actually get through it in a meaningful way and if you don't have that you can't do anything else and how do you like support organizations to move from this kind of a situation 
or data islands or data silos to a place where they can start having those metrics that you talked about, which can help them get to predictable revenue growth. So how does that journey look like? How do you help them get there? It's a lot of conversations and walking through the data and asking what, why did you measure this? What does this mean? What were you looking to accomplish in this? Why was this done this way? Is it because there was an old process that required it? And now they've augmented and gone to some new technology that doesn't require that process. Funny example, my COO used to be in, he used to work with companies and there was a process that had cost this company something in the neighborhood of like $30 million over a decade. And it was because in the early 90s, somewhere along the way, you had to fax something to somebody. And they kept that step in the process all the way along. Like they took a stab at it and looked at the process and realized that the process was still something from the early 90s. All of a sudden you fix that and you, they were able to recoup a significant amount of revenue because they were able to streamline the process. Interesting. What about GTM alignment? I think one of the big problems apart from data that you mentioned, uh, we keep hearing is about alignment across GTM team right? and RevOps is also supposed to tie sales, marketing, customer success, and even product operations to some extent with companies having PLG motions as well. So how do you see RevOps playing a role in the broader GTM alignment? And what are the metrics that come to your mind, which organizations should start tracking from a RevOps perspective for this alignment? I don't know if there's a set metric that will actually help drive alignment other than the fact that everyone should be aligned on getting you to that next ARR goal or that next employee count or that next raise, whatever that, that next strategic goal is coming from the top down. The alignment is crucial. Everyone needs to be on the same page. You can't have 10 kayaks all going in different directions, right? You need to all be in the boat, rowing together with your CEO as the coxman, just calling it out, right? If, if you're not working in lockstep, your efforts aren't being multiplied. And sometimes you're, they're actively being hindered, right? Not necessarily through anyone's fault, but from a lack of transparency or a lack of communication. So making sure that you are holding those bi-weekly meetings or those weekly meetings or those monthlies, depending on what cadence you need to be on um, and holding them as sacred are, are very important. The teams have to talk. Okay? And I think one of the things that happens a lot of the times is that, you know, the CRO or head of sales, whatever that title might be within the specific company tends to have the number over their head. Right. And, Marketing is not necessarily being held accountable for their piece of it, or CS isn't being held accountable for theirs. Uh, products not being held accountable for making sure that things are actually shipping on time and that those sprints are moving accordingly. Right? Everyone looks at the revenue and just blames sales, but it's it's really a team effort to get there. Right? Marketing has to provide the the right amount of leads and the right level of brand awareness and education. CS needs to make sure that they're driving moments of delight for the customers that they're actively being proactive about addressing issues that come up and over communicating and product needs to make sure that they're taking all that information that they're hearing from cs and from the customers and continuing to innovate on the product and going up against what's happening within the industry and making sure that your feature sets are rich and competitive all of those things need to exist for sales to go and be successful to drive a number right it's, it's a team sport it's not just one department and RevOps sits at the center of that, right? As that, in many cases, as Switzerland to help mediate or to help make sure lines of communication are open. Yep, yep. Fully agree with you. 
love the sports analogy i always found sports and sales being very similar and we have got so much of data analysis that goes into sports and sports performance improvement i think a lot of that can happen in go to market as well and revops can be that data center or the nerve center of sorts which can actually bring a lot of visibility into driving this high performance culture across the go to market team and just like any sports team out there you need a lot of alignment and everybody moving in one common direction and going and winning the match i think it's a similar thing as you pointed out like gtm teams can have one common goal and working towards that common mission so i think that's a great way to look at it and think of it and finally matrix matter revops is moneyball <laughs> yeah revops is moneyball and i think we have got this moneyball moment i know pete kazanzi keeps talking about it a lot moneyball moment in sales so i believe we have a moneyball moment in revops as well now yeah on the matrix i think it's easy to also get on to vanity right just like in b2c businesses where there is so much of vanity metrics which draw valuations up even in b2b saas i think uh, we had this overheated valuation drive that happened in 2021 early 2022 as well so what are some of these vanity metrics that need to be avoided because that can be distracting and take focus away from what matters which is revenue and might not be contributing to long term predictable revenue growth productivity and effectiveness so what comes to your mind in terms of vanity metrics that can be avoided depends on your model but i could see mqls being a vanity metric right if the line share of them are not converting or there's not an actual rigor behind the way that they're being scored opportunities created right if if you've got a lack of qualification can be a vanity metric i i think people are by and large getting away from the vanity metrics more and more i think especially with just the way that we're seeing the vcs act the way, the level of education that's happening overall in the ecosystem everyone's being watched so carefully and you have to be driving efficiency i think by and large people just don't have the time for them anymore right you only have so many hours in the day and like we were talking about before the, we started the recording right things move fast in saas land if you're constantly looking at things that don't matter the actions that you're taking and the things that you're deriving from those dashboards and reports that you're looking at aren't going to help you get to where you need to get to so i think a lot of people are pushing them to the wayside as they start honing on the things that do matter 100% with you on that i have been into that place before in past when i got driven by vanity metrics and it bites you back i mean you might be good for a quarter or two but it bites you back if you don't focus on what matters and it just happens right as organizations grows and scales there are so many different stakeholders functions and each of them start having their own okrs so it can be distracting and again revops i believe can do that role of tying everything together and bringing focus and attention on what matters moving away from the individual departmental okrs which might work in for that function but not work for the common goal of the company and that's where i think revops can distill vanity from reality so yeah moving on in terms of the common mistakes right so you mentioned some of the challenges that you see with the clientele that you guys are servicing and how you add value but if you look at the mistakes that leaders make right when they measure effectiveness of revops function right and a lot of time some of these leaders will not invest in revops or they treat it as a tactical function for firefighting then giving them the strategic acumen and empowerment that they need so what are some of these mistakes that you have seen leaders make when they measure effectiveness 
I think one of the biggest ones is that they don't give it enough time. Right? We sort of talked about that too, where it's it's one of these things. It, it, it's very time intensive and, and you need to be thoughtful and do it the right way. I think very often, especially with immature leadership, which there's a lot of folks out there that were really good individual contributors and now they're being asked to be managers or they were a decent manager and now they're being asked to step up. And we, we see a lot of that as companies continue to grow, right? And there's nothing wrong with taking a chance on someone. But what we're seeing consistently is that folks don't necessarily have the patience and don't understand that it takes time to do these things and that Rome wasn't built in a day. But they're up against a really tight, a really tight, difficult situation in having to perform in the here and now and having to work ahead from being in a position where they're typically behind a number, right? You're, you're chasing, maybe there was a poor planning session and you've got a new product that's supposed to be coming down in Q3 and it's going to save the day in Q4. Like, uh, probably didn't want to forecast that. <laughs> so I, I think not giving it enough time is is probably the, the biggest issue. The other thing is thinking that it's like just this, this cure-all, right? You've renamed something as RevOps, but they're not actually taking the time to really understand RevOps and they haven't worked at the totality of the change management around it, right? So they start coming in and making adjustments to systems, but they don't understand the, the long-term effects of that. And now they're, think, they're expecting a, a different outcome, right? So again, I, I don't think a lot of it is necessarily on the metrics side of it, right? From a metrics measurement, but I think success here is going to be driven by things like user adoption, tech debt, right? Have you, have you been able to drive down tech debt or you're accumulating more? And then overall efficiency within the business across the different benchmarks that we mentioned before. Got it. Okay. Uh, that's very important point because a lot of companies don't go all the way, right? They will start initiative, they'll start a project, they'll put someone in charge, but they'll not empower them. They'll not give them the time it needs. So with you on that, I think there's a lot of RevOps initiatives that fail just largely because the commitment and the time was not there. So I think it's pretty important for organizations to commit to it when they start RevOps. So what do you think would be like important traits that a RevOps professional must possess? Where do you get these folks who can deliver this incredible value we see in that function? What are the most common traits that make a great RevOps? Yeah, I'll hop to that in one second. I just want to touch base on something you just said that sparked a thought that I have, which is the most important trait that we see from an executive perspective, from that executive maturity in like what a good engagement looks like is that they have enabled and empowered that product owner internally to be able to navigate a relationship with a company like ours, right? Number one key for success. The reason that that works so well is because they typically have traits like really good project management skills, very good at communicating, right? And being able to communicate not just externally outside of the company, but being able to navigate and communicate well internally with the different business unit owners, right? So they're able to go to marketing, they're able to go to CS, able to go to sales, able to go to product and effectively communicate what's trying to be accomplished. They're going to the CEO as well and making sure that everything is in line, right? So it's that one sort of throat to choke. But it becomes the most 
vital piece in any relationship that we have, right? And I think it's the same thing that even if you're, you don't have someone like us that you're walking with along uh, externally, but you're only working with internal stakeholders, that project management requirements gathering and the ability to communicate those things effectively, the communication piece is the biggest. Yeah, it's such an important role which touches every aspect of go-to-market function, right? So I think communication becomes the most important skill fully with you. I mean, the ability to listen to each of these personas you service and then be able to articulate back uh, what you expect of them and what you can do for them. I think it's super important. And also removing these silos and blind spots. Again, communication is the key. I, I think there's another one that's sort of tangentially related, which is the ability to not get frazzled. I don't know how, how else to sort of say it, but like a calmness, right? There's, we're always putting out fires in the RevOps sector. Um, but if you can be calm and see through that and handle that, you, you can start to stop looking at the symptoms and start looking at the actual causes. And now you can start doing fire prevention instead of firefighting. Absolutely. So where do you see the future of RevOps? You guys work with a lot of clients and you've been implementing some best of class stuff for them. Uh, and you might also have exposure to the technology stack they're using. You also track some of the upcoming startups and there's a lot of action happening in the revenue option space, right? So overall, when you look at future of RevOps in terms of the function, in terms of the way it, it will evolve, let's say in the next five years, what this trajectory looks like to you? I really do think we're going to see more RevOps folks in the C-suite. I think that's sort of like the big bet, especially with this recession looming, what experts or experts, oh, people can't see me, I'm doing air quotes, are saying are, is going to be a very long recovery, uh, similar to what we ran through with 08. In any type of scenario where you have a longer season of economic uncertainty or recession, like efficiency is everything. And that's the core of RevOps, right? It's driving efficiency. So I can't see RevOps do anything but continue to grow. I mean, the rate at which it's grown this year has been insane. You know, there were 17,000 open jobs on LinkedIn total you know, between people enroll and, and, and folks looking in January. That number is over 50,000 now. Wow. I didn't check that. It's 3X. Yeah. 3X this year. You know, the hashtag's only been around for, what, three years? So it's going to continue to grow. It's one that everyone's getting on board with. So I, I think we'll see what happens, but I don't think we're anywhere close to RevOps being dead or being like overhyped or anything like that, right? I think it's definitely here to stay and it's, it's important, right? These are all things that people have been doing for decades and decades in, in the enterprise space, right? We're just so used to running so fast and so loose at growth at all costs. That's not how you run a business, right? You, you can't keep burning a million, two million, five million dollars a month. Absolutely. I think that this also brings to the question of supply and demand gap, right? I mean, you mentioned we have 3x growth in open jobs for RevOps within a, the last one year. How do you see the supply coming in? Where do you see this professionals will come from? Yeah, that's the big issue right now, right? There, there is not enough supply. Everyone's going after the same candidates. That's why we've seen wages increase so incredibly. We're going to put out a RevOps compensation survey 
well, by the time people hear this, it'll already be out, right? We're hoping to get a ton of folks to talk about it and share their stuff in an anonymized way so that we can make that open source to the entire community because it's been wild to see the differences that have occurred in just the last year to 18 months. I've seen admin salaries go from you know, like 50K to 100K. In some cases, directors went from making like 120 to making 180, like fairly significant shifts. So, I mean, I'm excited to see what happens there and, and to get more data around it so we can all know, you know what is the actual lay of the land versus what the private equity firms or the VCs or those of us in the hiring seats think it should be based off of past experience. No, I think it's important to get analysis done here. So I believe our audience are going to be pretty interested in seeing the report. So whenever you guys publish it, do share. Yeah, we'll do. Like I said, it's going to be open source. Anyone can see it. We're going to make it a public facing Power BI so folks can slice and dice the data on their own, look at it via years of experience, title, regionality, things like that. Yeah, there's a great service to the community. I think the community deserves more transparency, especially when they play such an important role and more so in such kind of a macro climate where RevOps becomes one of the most important function. I think this will be very helpful. So let's move on to our next section, which is rapid fire. So moving a little away from RevOps, but just to know your interest and understand you better. So let's talk about books. What's one book that you've loved in the recent past? One book that... I've really enjoyed over the last couple of years is Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink. Buy it for everyone that reports into me, just to let them know we're on the same page. The other book I read every day is the Bible. So those are my, my two that I read the most. I definitely reference Jocko probably more than I should. Yeah, pretty nice. What's your favorite part about RevOps? Uh, I like playing with the numbers. I like seeing what's possible. I like, I definitely enjoy forecasting and looking forward to the future and saying, this is what is achievable. How can we now build a plan to execute on this? So, and that's the probably thing I like the most. The other part, I think in my specific role and doing this in, within a consultancy that does RevOps is that I love getting to see all the different ways that RevOps is being solved across you know, dozens of different clients. Uh, in some cases I get to go and be that resource right? And it's just really rewarding to see the function growing and people continuing to, to adopt it. Pretty awesome. I think you got a very interesting vantage point to see all the good stuff and the action happening across different companies. So what's the worst part of being in RevOps? <laughs> the time it takes to implement something sometimes, right? You want to do it right. So the testing, the QA, the QC, going back and forth and sometimes having to fight over what is seemingly an insignificant data point, but then realizing that that insignificant data point to somebody else and showing them how that's tied into seven or eight or 10 different things, because it's tied to a product, it's tied to this price book. Like, and then they can actually see like how all this webs together um, to drive a business forward. Yeah. But just how painstakingly detail oriented it can be at times. Yeah, yeah. With you on that. <laughs> uh, what's one RevOps leader you personally respect and look up to and why? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, this is a tough one, I'm sure. There are plenty of those. <laughs> but what's, what's one that comes to your mind? Yeah, so I'm fairly active in the WizOps community. 
And there's a handful of folks in there who are just technically brilliant. And the person that comes to mind for me is Eric Lopez. The dude is a flows wizard and is always so willing to give his time. Um, so knowledgeable. Like I could ask him anything Salesforce or RevOps related and he'll have an answer for me within like five minutes. And not like just like a little snippet, you know, it's like paragraphs. So definitely appreciate him. Yeah, pretty awesome. I think everybody needs someone like him on their team. And what's an advice that you received from someone that stayed with you that you'd like to share with us? Piss poor, uh, was it? Uh, preparation prevents piss poor performance. Just always being prepared, always being on top of your game, even if you don't feel like you're there, but taking the time ahead of time to make sure that you have everything you need. It helps overcome a lot of other deficiencies that we have as people. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's important to sweat in the practice so that you don't bleed in the war. So yeah, important to go prepared. So coming to the end of the show, last one for you. What's one piece of advice you like to give to people would like to have your job someday be persistent and do the things that you say you're going to do like just keep showing up opportunities come up out of absolutely nowhere when you least expect it but you need to be putting in the work and putting your head down and just going at it and grinding like sometimes the, the, you don't feel like showing up and a lot of life happens in showing up yep yep showing up matters and especially if you're in sales, your last quarter is as good as yesterday's newspaper and you need to pull yourself up, whether you had a bad quarter or a good quarter, great day, bad day, shitty call, but you need to show up. So I think showing up matters, man. And especially if you are in sales and I think for RevOps, it's the same thing, right? You are interacting in a critical business function. Yeah. So showing up matters. Thank you, Cliff. Thanks for your time today. And thanks for sharing all these wonderful insights and being candid about your experience and insights. We loved having you today. Good luck with everything. Thank you. Thanks, Abhijit. All right. Take care. Thanks.